0: Welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is episode... 282. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Boer. Bill, here we are. It's post, a post, post Thanksgiving. Holiday.
0: Thank you for you and Lindy. You put on a lovely feast yesterday. Yeah,
1: I've never hung out with your mom before. It was a blast. She's, she's fun.
0: Yeah, she likes you. She thinks you guys are a legitimate alternative to living with me now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hello to Erica
1: Miller. Hi. I hope you're doing well, Erica. Yeah, we all hope that.
0: Yeah, Did you all? try my
1: pumpkin pie yet? Uh, I haven't tried it. I don't generally eat a lot of pumpkin pie. I'm a, more of an apple pie guy. Yeah, yeah, I did get up in the middle of the night and eat some apple pie. Did you? <laughs> Maybe yeah. a little too much. I I burned 800 calories in my workout today in an attempt to counteract. Uh, yeah, counteract yesterday. But <laughs> it was a valiant effort. It but, was. Uh, yeah, you know, we we do what we can, I guess. For, yeah, we know, try. to yeah. combat these sorts of things. I
0: was moving around a lot today, so I don't know. if I, I don't didn't get to work out. I'm still, we're still trying to get the apartment under control for mom, so that's been the the quest. Yeah, so. I'm not even sure what's going on. Is Donald Trump still president? I haven't really been... He is president as far as I know, still. I haven't currently. been on top of things, yeah.
1: He is currently president, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the country's moving on and moving onward and upward, <laughs> I suppose, or, you know, whatever
0: we do. Yeah, well, my mom, you guys were delightful. My mom enjoyed very much being here. You know what she said? So, now I met the guy you talked to. That's who you are. Yes, you're the I... You're the guy I talked to. <laughs> she made a joke, like... She
1: said, "You guys should have a show." And you were like,
0: "We do." And she was <laughs> winking
1: at Lindy. She's like, "I know." Oh, I did. I did pick up on that. I was like, "Lindy, said there." She yeah. didn't. You guys didn't
0: catch it. So that was good. Yeah, and he's like, "I did." She was uh, in good
1: form yesterday. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was fun.
0: Yeah, it was. All right, so we're moving on with our romance of orthodoxy. Uh, we, did, we are. We are moving on. Uh, so uh, we're still romanced by it. Yeah, we are. And um, we talked about Aryanism last time, and as we've been saying, each attempt to solve one problem uh, often often create new ones create new ones are yeah they're all related to each other so we're going to look at the christological controversy hello reynolds how are you good to have you back uh, if you ever went away it's good to talk to you yeah i hope your holiday is good very i uh, hope you had a great holiday reynolds
1: and jeff sessions is going to be running for the senate in alabama again yeah gosh the gift that keeps giving for those of you, i mean that's interesting. Like, all that, yeah, all that, yeah. like, his ad was like his face. Like, I didn't call a part of the resistance. I didn't write anonymous books. I support, like, the, the lack of dignity he had in that ad that he recorded was just amazing.
0: Yeah. No. By
1: the way, what do you think? Like, okay. So we talked about this a little bit, but I'm, 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 like, pretty fascinated by this. The Bloomberg thing. Like,
0: because
1: I think, uh, oh, and oh. Reynolds from Facebook says she grew up next door to Jeff Sessions' wife.
0: Right. I heard she's a, a nice person. That's what I heard. Uh, who'd said that? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, Reynolds it confirms it. Reynolds. Oh, you not- know who said Al Franklin? Al Franklin. Oh, yeah. yeah, said she's a really lovely, lovely person. Well, uh, give give her our best if you run across her. And uh, absolutely. Uh, maybe she wants him out of the house. <laughs> she goes, Could Jeff, be. go run for Congress. Yeah, run for Senate. Anyway, you're starting to say. So I, here's
1: the thing that I I find so interesting is that you have like you have. This attempt of.
0: Just not, <laughs> just not, just not, I'm sorry. Reynolds. Reynolds is one of our Alabama listeners. Yeah. yeah we do I mean,
1: have a big constituency.
0: We, we, yeah. We we do not wish Roy Jim more on anybody. Yeah.
1: So I I think. Particularly
0: our friends with daughters.
1: So you have these. Okay. Like the the. 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 Presidential strategy. If President Jerry Brown, of course, was to win at Super Tuesday, right? <laughs> like, and, and Rudy Giuliani, the same thing, right? Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna like skip the. I'm not. It's you know, Rudy Giuliani. I guess thought that he would do well. He wouldn't do as well in the early states because you had the evangelicals in New Hampshire. Right. But then you'd have all these retirees from New York and Florida that would remember yeah. him fondly, and right. Which you know these this this idea that you bypass the early states has never worked.
0: Never, has never worked. But
1: nobody ever had like. What does Bloomberg work? Thirty five billion dollars.
0: Yeah, he's got some money. He does, or
1: maybe more, more than that. He's a,
0: he's actually a real a real rich person. <laughs> yeah, right. He's Really rich. Right?
1: Not he hasn't. Unlike well, I mean, Trump's made. Countless thousands
0: of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> emphasis on countless. Yeah, countless yeah. Uncountable. Yeah, countable. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but, but you think like, okay, so Bloomberg just dropped a $35 million. Like my wife was saying that in the hospital she works at, she's like, I, I saw that Bloomberg ad like on cable. Like nobody drops national ads at this point of a primary campaign because you can't afford yeah. to. Like I think he spent more on that ad buy than anybody has in their war chest right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, it's, it's so like, could you, so like, what if he just gets his name recognition up high enough that by Super Tuesday he does like, because he, he, he could spend money competitively in all of those states.
0: Yeah, it's a possibility. I, you know, I talked about this earlier too. Uh, you know, you, you could very well have a brokered convention. We haven't had one of those for a while. And, and with the fact that not one person is really Gaining traction, though I would still say, given everything that's happened, um, and thing you know, and Biden's not giving maybe the best stump speeches, he still seems to be in a pretty good position by the time he gets to Super Tuesday. I mean, because of his strength in the South and with the African American vote. So I don't know. I mean, Bloomberg, and and uh, I saw like one of his, he, I think Alabama, speaking of Alabama, was one of his first. Yeah, because he had to get a filing deadline. An exploratory. Yeah, so he did that. And so who knows? You know, I think... Uh, you know what Bloomberg's only weakness is? Only? No, only? No, nobody
1: in the Democratic primary voting field really likes him. Right.
0: <laughs> nobody. that really, well, how, not really enthusiastic. Well what, well, what, three conventions ago, he spoke at the Republican convention? He did, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Yeah. Uh, now, of course, Donald Trump used to be a Democrat, too. So, I mean, it, I guess that that's less important than it used to be. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting thing to see what... See what will happen at this this point of things. So. Yeah,
1: I I just find it a fascinating thing because, and I guess it it trades on again that this idea that Joe Biden has a, it is really a kind of paper tiger kind of can, that that you know he's that that yeah. he's 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 hollow and that that you know that it, like let's say Joe Biden finishes fourth or something in Iowa and then has a weak showing in New Hampshire, the idea is that like
0: yeah, that, you they, know, that it folds yeah yeah, or
1: maybe Bloomberg is just going to be like hammering Trump and, like, and weaken Trump. Right? I mean, and
0: the other thing, too, I mean, there is a sense of, even though it's been continued, it's been, you know, proven again and again that the whole blind Biden thing in Ukraine is a has been disproven. proven, dispro- It's been proven it's been disproven. Or anyway, that's a false conspiracy theory. Nonetheless, I mean, you know, 35% of the country will believe whatever they hear on from the mouth of Trump or Fox? Yeah, or from Steve yeah. News Prava. So, you know, I, I think that's problematic. I mean, um, you know, again, not what Bo Biden was doing was good or ethical. Uh, but has anyone counted the number of family members working in the White House? Right, right, right. right. I mean, and, and this is the thing, like. I mean, yeah, it's crazy.
1: I, you know, it was funny because Martha McAllen on Fox a weeks ago had, I guess, Laura Trump was on or something. One of the Trump's daughters, daughter in laws. I guess. I guess. Well, there's is, only one daughter in right, and This is Eric's. This is Eric's. Right, Eric's wife. And they were saying, well, you know, people say Ivanka and Jared aren't qualified. You know, to for some of the things they do. What do you say to that? Oh, they're very qualified. Okay, Martin. It's like ask and answer. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it. She said it. Right, what are we going to say? She's
0: missed. Yeah, yeah, it right. was answered. Yeah, I stayed at the Holiday, Holiday Express last night. Yeah, Holiday I mean, Express, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, This is like, you know, it's a very. Yeah. Oh, no. It's funny. It's a funny time. Funny time. Behind. And then
1: the impeachment, you know, which is there's a poll 50% of the country's for removal.
0: Yeah, that's, that's as high as it's ever been. Yeah, that's as high as it's ever been. No, no. Well, I thought I didn't have a chance to read it, David. but I like the the, the the title actually is very helpful. We should stop saying impeachment is political because it, it's constitutional. And I think, you know, there, there could be political motivations, but impeachment is um, part of the balance of powers in the Constitution. And if the executive office, if the president abuses power um, or breaks the law, this is what you're supposed to do. And so there's an investigation whether or not he actually broke the law. I mean and you don't have to I mean you and I and all of America knows that he witness tampered and obstructed justice because he, he does that on, on his on his Twitter page on a regular basis. Yeah but hey
1: the conservative argument and science it couldn't have been harassment without Adam Schiff reading the tweet to her. She wouldn't have seen it uh. <laughs> I would be. I would have been tampered. I was like, wow.
0: My favorite is just be, you know, it be uh, just because the bribery didn't work doesn't mean it wasn't wrong. Right, right, uh,
1: yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it is interesting though. You, you. I mean, does I mean if Trump wins, the, if, if he's acquitted in the Senate, there will be a rally at the White House. It's going to be like the biggest presidential victory anybody ever had. I mean, right. it will
0: be. It will be. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they'll probably they'll probably. uh Go Five Guys instead of uh, McDonald's. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll go, go all out. They'll go up the burger chain.
1: But yeah, we were talking about the story today too. The thing that I found so interesting is like this morning. I guess it was sort of slow news day. So Morning Joe had this segment where they had this oh, medical right, right. consultant guy that works with this doctor. It was interesting. He was spending time with all these candidates in Iowa and asking about their own health, their personal health plan, like how do they
0: right, but they do their own physical
1: right. health and mental well being. And, and then asking about health care and and their lifestyle. It's really, I mean, it was interesting. But I was like, look, like all these candidates are, you know, they exercise and they think about nutrition and this thing. I thought even Trump. Here's where Trump is with kind of the everyman, because you know it used to be, right, that the boss was fat because he was living high off the hog and the workers were thin, right? <laughs> right. But now it's like the, the the elite class are the people that have the time and and resources to eat well and have expensive gym, and the working class are the people that are are overweight. And so even Trump's with the working class there, right? I'm mean, at you know, McDonald's. I'm never going to tell you to get on a treadmill or, yeah, no, or anything yeah. like that. Like he's, you know, I mean, the guy just does not exercise, and he, he de- you know, I mean, he eats pretty, yeah,
0: pretty poorly, right, yeah. pretty yeah. poorly. Yeah. His, his. By the way, I didn't tell you this. One of the things I'm thankful for. We're still in the season of Thanksgiving. Is all the things I don't have to watch because you tell me about them. Yeah. Oh no, I'm, I'm on the. I really, man. you know, you, I, I am, uh, I am totally. On top of things that are going on in the media and such because of, of you.
1: What's going to happen if Trump loses? Nicole Wallace is not yeah. going to keep that show, I would guess. If, she, if he what? Lose?
0: If he loses. I, I don't know that like... Oh, what's well, Dateline White House?
1: Yeah. I I don't think that well, like my, her show is as good without Trump. As, it's kind of like Bernie Sanders. He was a better candidate when he was the anti-Hillary. Right. He doesn't have as much cachet on his own.
0: <laughs> no, no. No, I mean, he and Elizabeth Warren don't have much... Th- to no to disagree about now. No, yeah, I know. Well, that's an interesting thing. I you know, I mean Dateline White House, I, I'm assuming there'll still be news coming out of the White House after Trump.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I just <laughs> not gonna be as interesting. Well I
0: know, but maybe we can like find out, you know, maybe we can actually learn about what's going on in the rest of the world and hey, maybe solve some problems. Yeah,
1: it's possible. It's not gonna be that interesting, but
0: Yeah, well, yeah. We only have a few. You know, there's just a few major problems may in and civilization and the world as we know it. But other than that,
1: than oh, then, uh, yeah. That's good. Good. All right, so back to
0: the fourth century.
1: The fourth century, one of Bill's favorite centuries. It oh, was
0: a good century. It was an interesting century.
1: I thought the six sixth was high for you though, wasn't it?
0: Well, I like the fifth too. Fifth. Fifth, yeah, right. Yeah. But fifth. that's Augustine's century. Uh, well but he was around. I mean he started and you know, he started the end of the fourth. But the fourth is where I did most of my work.
1: There we go. I mean he means historically.
0: He Bill's not saying he's that old. He's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well there have been some some theories. About time travel. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Where did I, oh, did you, I I always think those are hilarious. I'm sorry. We are having trouble getting on task, but it is the day after Thanksgiving. I, I always love those hilarious, uh, is such and such a time traveler when they find a picture of, uh, you know, a past picture with a person like yeah, yeah, it right. looks
1: like somebody famous. I love it. <laughs>
0: like for instance, the the who's the the activist, the young activist from issue in Norwegian. Oh, did yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the
1: one that goes, How dare you? <laughs> they use that as a Howard Stern drop now all the time. How dare you?
0: Yeah, yeah they had a picture of someone who looked exactly like her from eighteen eighty or something. Yeah, like is you. she a
1: time traveler?
0: Uh, she would be a pretty good candidate to be a time
1: traveler. Best time travel show I've watched recently was I watched the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which was on for two years, which was a sort of I don't know if it's on Fox or something. It was it was a sort of serial drama reimagining of the Terminator. The same storyline, everything, but it was so well done. And, and the the whole thing about like they really had time to really play out. I it, it was I thought it was so incredibly interesting.
0: Yeah, that's good. Now I always like the time travel stuff. It's just so it's interesting to me. Um, and uh, uh, gosh, I just heard a great uh, show on the BBC about. Uh, Time machine, and just talking about the social context. Just remind, I forgot all about that. H.G. Wells, the social context. Oh, yeah. Right? That was interesting. Yeah. And what the the ultimate de evolution of humanity looks like. So, what's just happening right now? Yeah. Well, I think we, I don't, I don't, yeah, the thing about that that's not feasible is we won't be able around as long as he thought we would be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that's yeah, it's not
1: going to I was just put onto this, this movement. Somebody, we actually both know this person. It's, it's, it's this movement about like living humanely in the decline like in the you know like as the world falls apart right. climate change i said to the person I said well couldn't you just watch the walking dead and you <laughs> like you don't really need to like you know you can just like i feel like every post apocalyptic show we don't need scholars thinking about this we have shows made about this all the time
0: yeah people say what are you doing bill about this time said, "Well, i'm trying to you know double down and caring and, and working positively where i can and and trying to build bridges and I've significantly upgraded my arsenal. That's yeah, all no, that's it. what you need yeah. to It's all those things, yeah. I want to take a
1: brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, after your evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it? To be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the Thank You Roll Call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Andrew Stravitz, Barry Stewart, Ben Crosby, Ben Dehart, Carol Clemens, Charlotte Donlin, David Norling, David Saul, Ellis Brazil. Jennifer Spite, Jennifer Underwood, Jim Cress, Joel Wentz, John Schneider, Jonathan Butrin, Jordan Mossberger, Josh Redder, Kai Wittenpeg, Larry Rule, Liam O'Brien, Michael Butera, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Konauer, Sari Graham, Simone Garabedian, Stephen Rowe, and Jody Stevenson. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the show. At
0: any rate, fourth century. All right. Well, um, Christological controversy. I mean, you know, one of the things I think I I remember uh, trying to teach this uh, to MDiv students and um, because it's a pretty confusing, uh, confusing set of circumstances, partially because it never actually, it doesn't get solved. I mean, in many ways, the history of, uh, subsequent history of particularly the Eastern and Byzantium churches really controversies around this. And, uh, some people, you know, when people say what was part of the decline of Christianity and allowing there to be the rise of Islam, one of the, one of the factors that people point to now, again, how, how much this is or not, but particularly social historians, say, you know, the weakening of Eastern Christianity because of the Christological debates. Um, There were many Eastern Christians who were willing to take their chances with a uh, Muslim overlord as opposed to an agent of a changing (laughs) theological, you know, Byzantine emperor far away. And uh, so I I think this this is one of those controversies um, that, um, you know, I mean, controversies never bring out the best in people. Um, but this one, this one's this one's pretty tough in the history of Christianity. I, at least I think so. Uh, yeah, because of the in part, in part, it's based on speculation about something we have no access to. Exactly. What was the internal subject? Just like uh, we're talking about Trump's finances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, basically, what was the what was the nature of the internal life of the incarnation? And that's really what the Christological. Now, what makes them interesting, I think, are all the implications. Again, how do you take the biblical witness and the historical tradition of the church and how your individual concerns about what's it mean to be human and what's it mean to be saved, how that plays out in your Christology? I find that very interesting. And it's something that still goes on even today, among, particularly around Reformed and Lutheran people who still care about this kind of stuff. Uh, the, like four or five of those people four or five uh, of, those of
1: people. the four or five the two of them listened to this well, podcast
0: what, one of my favorite uh debates at princeton when i was there was carl fried Froelich, who i loved uh, very much and ed dowie one of the great calvin scholars of his time debate they they uh i mean they didn't go in character but uh Frolick was luther and uh, spoke from the lutheran voice and, dowie was calvin. and uh at one point, who was, was the delightful guy. Says, and that's why you all are historians.
1: <laughs> Ed Dowie was a very kind of Bruner sort of Calvin guy. His Calvin looks more like Bruner than Bart. Yes, I mean yes. Dowey. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be the case. But, yeah, uh, but that's far afield for So So, okay, what if we work backwards? So right, the, the Council formula, all right, says that that the that, that Christ the Son, the Lord, and, and only begotten, to be acknowledged in two natures, inconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, uh, the distinction of natures by no means takes away by the union, but rather the property of each nature being preserved and conc- and concurring in one person, and one subsistence, or hypostasis. Not parted or divided in two persons, but one and the same Son, the only begotten God. Uh, so basically what we're saying here is there's, Two per- there's one person, two natures, and the natures are not are not separable, right? Nor changed or confused, right? So they're so, in this sort so of, they're is, in this
0: So G the 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 subject of the incarnation is a full human being, and humanity is not compromised, and he is fully God, and divinity is not compromised in any way. But um uh, but there's only one person. There's not kind of a there's not like two. Two people bumping around right. inside each other. So that that was the compromise. And it was a compromise uh, to make this—I uh, want to try to make this simple, hopefully not simplistic. If you want to think about it, it's, it really comes down to—well, um, uh, a simple way to think about it as an argument between two of the most important uh, ecclesial and theological centers in the early church. It comes down to an Antiochian kind of approach to things, um, And also, an out versus the Alexandrian uh, perspective, and you know, it it does play into. I mean, when you think of, for instance, a literal approach to scripture, a more, you know, a more concern about the text, if you would, uh, the center of what we would call critical biblical study, but not in a modern sense, but where there was the best, if you would, biblical study going on. In the ancient uh, church, early church, you would say that that was around Antioch. Some of the best exegetes of the early church were all associated with Antioch. Alexandria is certainly it is the the you have that long uh, Platonic tradition going back uh, pre-Christian to Philo and the Clement and Origin, and of course Alexandria is where the the anti-Aryan thing blows up. So when you think of that, you think of figure—when you think of Alexandria, you think of folks like um, uh, Athanasius, uh, Alexander before him, Athanasius. You'll, you'll think of Cyril will be an important person in this figure. So to say this Alexandria versus Antioch is, is kind of accurate in some ways. I mean, that's helpful um, because the teachers that have come in conflict are associated with those two those two seas. And perhaps maybe even the way they approach the Bible certainly influences this debate.
1: So ultimately we got, there's a tendency either on one hand to really go towards with the, you know, the, the Nestorians, the, the, you know, their, the, the perspective there t- tends toward it's two natures and two persons. Yeah,
0: right? they, they don't, they're not comfortable with the idea. They, they don't see how in the Alexandrian emphasis of the crucified God or the You know, that the the Logos being closely associated with the person of Jesus. Now, you know, part of the thing you can argue, Athanasius, we don't, Athanasius doesn't necessarily explicitly have a human subject in his Jesus. He never explicitly says Jesus doesn't have a human subject, but the implication, uh, and certainly his most famous student, Apollinarius, is the one who gets condemned, and Apollinarius boldly says there is no human subject. Right, so
1: basically what happens with Apollinarius is you have, you know— the the humanity of jesus is kind of a shell it, it, there's not really the the the, the thing of will and well, soul
0: and mind and things these are all divine the incarnate or the logos takes on a human body right that's what that's basically there's not really a human mind a
1: human soul right. a human you know right. it's 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 yeah. i mean yeah
0: so that's and again you have to remember we're also dealing with you know um you know, fourth century anthropology too about the what the nature of what it means for a human to be in terms of a body and a soul and all that. So, so if you've got
1: you know the the Nestorians are looking over at people like the Apollinarians and saying, "Look, you really have you know Christ that's fully divine, but not really necessarily f- fully human." You know, you've got the, and you know they're looking over at at, at the Nestorians and saying, "Well, you, you have you know it's almost like you've got two beings here." It, se- it seems to them that the Nestorians have. Yeah. Two persons, two natures.
0: Well, yeah, I mean the 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 Antiochian people want to talk about an indwelling. You know, they want they want to see in some levels the incarnation is like the way that the God inspired the prophets, but it but it's it's a unique event in that the the inspiration is directly the, the wisdom and and you know, logos of God. But there's a sense where um, they don't see how it's possible if you have. The logos taking on a human body, then you don't they they the same issues that came up in the Arian controversy. Again, remember the Antiochians are against Arius as well. So this is not, I mean, in other words, in some they the language of the Arian debate. Both the uh, Nestorius and Cyril of Alexandria are against the Arians. Yeah, right. Uh, but. The problem they see is, well, what do you do with all the stuff that, that's attributed to Jesus that can't possibly be attributed to god hunger uh Jesus was ignorant about certain things uh he gets angry um he dies, <laughs> which is a big yeah, problem that's a big so problem. if the incarnation if the if the logos is so closely associated with the humanity, then you're basically how then the logos was ignorant about his return uh so I think those are those are things. So uh the big blow up came from a sermon that Nestorius preached. And Nestorius is the kind of the they build on their teachers before them. So uh he was a student of Theodore and um it was a very important whose writings will eventually be condemned as well. Um he's probably the first person who kind of articulates this idea of this indwelling of two um two persons, two natures, and that there's kind of a connection the other thing is the historians seem to not want to have an ontological necessarily connection they're not interested in that kind of uh philosophical language they're more they're they mean they're more dictated by the biblical language so the union between uh the two persons or the is is one of will yep, and so yep. that's an important thing. and this is
1: where people say John Calvin sounds like an historian Because when he talks about the human and divine nature, they feel like it's like two eyes looking at the same subject the same yes. object i mean
0: they're well, Calvin didn't like mix. Calvin didn't like messy things. No, nah, he's very so, Levitical. Yeah, he liked. He yeah, liked. Yeah. He liked his. He liked the milk <laughs> and meat days. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. He didn't mix. He didn't. He was a guy. A, a, a Calvin would have done great with the old TV dinners, where you have each. Oh uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So the food doesn't mix. I don't
1: so. like casseroles that much, to be honest.
0: Well, maybe that's maybe deep down you are more Calvinist. I might be. I, am, I mean, that you know, is that yeah. is yeah, I, I, all yeah. these battles I've been doing with the Lutherans. When it comes down to it, I'm less. I'm more comfortable with with you know, casseroles. I'm more comfortable with Luther the Lutherans of this this debate. Uh, I I am too yeah. kind of I'm,
1: yeah. i I I yeah I don't I don't well I think I mean part of the problem right with the with the idea of the nature stuff right is how does a nature suffer like so right. what they want to say you know there'd be the sense say, well okay the the sub the the subject. Uh, you know of, of the incarnation. There is, you know, the 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 logos in, in the divine human, you know, person. But yet, then, you know, you say, but the logos is divine. The, the eternal Son has a divine nature, and that can't suffer. So then he suffers in his human nature. But then once it I mean natures don't suffer, subjects suffer, persons suffer, right? right? right. Like, and so yeah. you you wind up kind of with these these awkward constructions that
0: yeah, humanity didn't suffer on the cross. Jesus did, right? Yeah. Right, uh, but again, we also we don't we we have a much weaker understanding of solidarity of things as they did too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our our participation. In other words, how you know the how are we you know. In other words, sometimes I think why um, a lot of, for instance, modern evangelical devolves de- this idea of of you know of a purely substitutionary view of the time, which actually I'm not willing I'm not willing to throw that out like uh, as quickly as some people are because. <laughs> It's like in the Bible a lot. Yeah. But sometimes why we, you know, make a big, you know, we get off the dra- dramatic about, you know, almost the times of a moralistic approach to the cross, I think, in part, is because we don't, you know, we don't have that kind of solidarity sense of humanity anymore. There's a sense of what it means to be part, you know, we I'm more of a part of a community than I am of an individual. That's, that's a hard thing to, ta- to ta- talk to Western people about in the 21st century.
1: Yeah, and also, I mean, it's probably not tenable as modern people to think about natures the same way like like yeah like there's a human nature that exists in sort of abstraction from particular you know like there's there's human nature exists in persons it doesn't there's not there's not a sort of right like realm of the forms or some you know like where it exists in some ideal abstract
0: yeah i you know and i think Part of the, yeah, and I think this is why sometimes people this this discussion people, you know and now again our Eastern brothers and sisters are a little more conversant with this because it was a, it has more community implications there. You know, if it, it works out And as also stuff. they look at
1: Aquinas as modernity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I actually had people like say that to me. They were studying the business Cemetery Byzantine Cemetery in Pittsburgh. They have our first Aquinas, that's <is> modern <laughs>
0: But it I may be, be helpful, at least for our casualists, or but, but, but who they have already probably turned away. Exactly. <laughs> but I think this idea. So, what are the implications? For instance, I think the certainly the Alexandrian, and this is in Cyril uh, of Alexandria, who is uh, is the bishop of Alexandria, Alexandria, who gets it becomes a, a real political fight between the Historius of Antioch and Cyril, and Cyril's by, is really behind the you know, the victory of what happens at. at the Chalcedon, um uh council of Chalcedon 451. Um but um you know getting behind what they're fighting for might be helpful to understand. I think one, the crucified God, I mean I'm using you know Maltman's term, but that's really the idea that God suffered for humanity. Like it, it's it's a new version of the original concern of Athanasius that the idea of God um coming down and truly being engaged with humanity. You know, part of why this whole argument, you know, part of what happens in the 4th century that wasn't a problem earlier on is there's this sense of the old Middle Platonic hierarchy of God, you know, God needing intermediaries to, you know, do things, somehow God not being contaminated with matter. Um, You know, Athanasius says no to that, and and in part because the idea of... The mystery of God becoming human—that's that's that is a central importance that, that that drives the piety of Alexandria, and and to the point where they're not that concerned about the potential metaphysical or you know theological issues. They're willing to risk you know. Questions about you know the ignorance of Jesus in order to preserve you know in order now they have they have answers for that I don't think they're necessarily good answers, but nonetheless they have answers, but that's really what drives the machine there don't you don't you think yeah
1: it's you know it's what Phil Carey calls in his great book uh the the meaning of Protestant theology the divine carnality he says at the yeah. heart of the Christian faith is this divine car that God come down and really taking residence. In you know in on earth, not just in a in a human being, but as a human being.
0: Yeah, and that's where you really and you see you know that's why we brought up the whole Luther. Certainly, um, is someone who recaptures uh, uh, and rediscovers the spirit of that kind of
1: yeah. Kind and so I think you know? I think that's you know it, it's interesting too because you there's a, a great essay in Brian Garrish's book Tradition in the Modern World, and he's talking about Eduard Schweitzer who's a Nineteenth century Calvinist theologian. And he's talking about how in the nineteenth century these Lutherans and Calvinists would come up with these, you know, systematic theologies. And the idea was you you kinda had this governing principle that that would sort of govern or flow, you know, with the low size, all the all the doctrines that would flow logically out of this organizing principle. Yeah, that's the idea. So, you know, most of the Lutherans thought it was something that the center was something like justification by faith, and then they thought for the Reformed it was generally Something like the election or predestination of the sovereignty of God, but Schweitzer argued, no. At the heart of the Reformed faith is the distinction between the Creator and the creature. Right, and and, and that it's the is what Nestorius is right. To, and you see in, defend, in, yeah. in in the in the Reformation debates around communion between the, this is some of the issues, right? Where right. there's so I mean, I think that that stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean the 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 Zwindlian folks, and that's that kind of. Um, the humanism uh um, the Zwingli and Taliban. The Zwingli and Taliban. But the but the humanism uh of Erasmus, Zwingli, and and Calvin, uh exactly. I mean they the, the division between the divine and and the creature. And so it, it it's interesting where both the Nestorians and and the um uh Chalcedon folks agree upon is that there's a sense where there is this distance you know on one level there doesn't need to be any other kind of intermediary beings. Okay, there doesn't need the the sun is fully divine. But different, they each have different issues about what the effect of that is on 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 the divinity. And like you said, the uh, the Nestorian folks do want to keep that distinction, and and you, and you, and most people want to see the Chalcedon formula as a compromise by saying that they're still fully human, fully God. Um, that that you know, that the two maintain their integrity. Um, you know, that compromise, I guess that was Brother Leo or he helped uh, Leo, yeah, uh, Pope Leo came up with that idea, or, or at least is attributed to him. Yes, that's the rough, that's the rough compromise. Seeing that, you know, to give to grant to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, both Antioch and Alexandria have their point and have their concerns, both from a, a how we are saved, what it means to be human, and who God is. Um, uh, how successful the compromise of Calcedon is. Well, you, you know, that's the history of the fifth, sixth, and seventh, and eighth centuries, you know. And we, and, and, uh, and until recently, I mean, some, it's it's just recently that uh, some of these communions have been restored into, you know, into either the East or the West. I mean, yeah, yeah there was an active Nestorian church and, and the Coptic Church was always pretty Monophysite. Again, that's really
1: yeah. as an active Historian church. That's the PCA.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I do think one of the things that's important to understand is to, to a good theologian is a humble theologian. Our both your my friend and your teacher Daryl Guter absolutely has said that, and I, I think. Um, I think if there ever was a need for humble theology and if there was— Like Pastor n-
1: Jefferson.
0: Yeah, yeah, if there if there ever was a lack of it. Franklin might, Graham's another one. Yeah, if some well, mind. if there ever was an example of a lack of humility in theology, it may have been the, the Christological. Jerry Fowell Jr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't—they don't—you know, i will take the story over all of those guys. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, I'll say two things I think that are just random thoughts. but Like, one, Dale Allison was my, one of my New Testament professors in seminary. He's now at Princeton a great New Testament scholar, one of the greatest of, you know, his generation. He is one time he thought like the, the divine and human mind in Christ, you know, how how these things interact. He thought, you know, the best analogy he ever heard. And I thought this is good. He said he thought always thought of it like the subconscious and the conscious mind. Like your subconscious mind has access to all of your conscious mind. But it doesn't go the other way around. Your conscious mind doesn't have the backwards access to your subconscious right. that right. And so that's why in your dreams, you're so, you know, it's, so it's interesting how and he, I thought that was an interesting analogy. The second thing is Bruce McCormick wrote an essay. It's kind of a, a, a essay that's, uh, kind of directly challenging George Hunzinger's essay. Cause George Hunzinger,
0: what, they challenge I, yeah, each other. Yeah, that's hard to, that's hard to believe. Yeah. <laughs> Hunzinger
1: wrote this thing, something about like <laughs> this, the Karl Barth's Christology. It's, it's fundamentally calcineering character and Bruce wrote an article that was uh, titled Carl uh, Barth's historicized Christology. Just how "quote unquote" Chalcedonian is it? <laughs> but Bruce argues, and I think this is right. I mean, I think he says that Bart, by his mature thought, I mean, as he's thinking about Christology, atonement, so that he doesn't. He he tries to do justice to Chalcedon, the you know fully human, fully divine one subject, but he thinks less in terms of natures and more in terms of you know th- that. G- the, the the history of the atonement is the history of Jesus Christ. The history of reconciliation right. is the history of Jesus Christ. And in that history, there's two stories: this the the, hum- the humbling of God, the self humiliation of God, and the exaltation of of man, of the of the human one. And so he says, you know, you see this even in the New Testament, in John, and parts of Paul, the story is the Son of God is Jesus Christ. the story of descent. And other places in, in like the Synoptics and other parts of Paul, it's Jesus is the son of God he's he's exalted, exalted to right? that right. and so Bart says there are two there are two stories two histories taking place in one person and, and so he kind of gets out of the nature talk and it's a very interesting thing but one of the points Bruce makes too that I think is is different than in cals and in calcedon if they were saying well who's the subject in the incarnation well it's it's the logos it's the Logos simplister it's it's the it's the eternal son before history you know but for Bart it would be Jesus Christ it would be this you know, even before time, God always determined to be God in a way that he had humanity and, and, and yeah. was eternally for and so there's no there's no eternal son that's not also eternally determined and destined to be the son of Mary.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a creachly version of Origins. Speculative, you know. I mean, it's I. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it's they're totally two different things. And
1: you, and you would get you would yeah. look at like Revelation, you know, thirteen eight, like behold the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, or or First Peter, you know, the, the similar kind of language there. That there's the sense in which that the cross isn't Plan B; it's Plan A, and so that this sort of you know for Bart that the the incarnation there's not there's not a, a speculative kind of hidden God behind that. That God eternally always. Right. Chooses to be God for and with us.
0: Yeah, I me. Mean, I think a couple of things that are really ongoing, helpful from from this debate: uh, the communication of accidents or the communication of attributes. I think that's a really interesting idea, particularly uh, how it grows. And I think, particularly, I think of someone like Maximus Confessor um, and what how he uses that as a model for the for this Christian life, uh, the internal life, the interior life of Christ. Uh, The relationship between the divine and the human natures for Maximus Confessor is kind of a model of what it means to be an infilled Christian with the Holy Spirit. I think that's a very powerful idea. I mean, Maximus Confessor is one of those people really hard to understand. It's worth trying to understand. There are some people that are really hard to understand and don't waste your time. But Maximus Confessor is one of those people. I'm not like naming Rudy Giuliani. I'm not naming names. <laughs> I think the other thing that uh, becomes really important in this debate, uh, you know, it's kind of a throwaway phrase in Gregory Nazianzus, but, you know, only that which is assumed can be redeemed. Yeah, the unassumed is not is yeah. the unhealed. And so there's this idea where um, that, again, we get back to whether you want to call it an antinomy or a paradox, but the Bible is really interesting. It gives us source material about how separate, holy, 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 the Creator is from the creature, and then the whole story is this Creator getting constantly mess in the messy world of the creature. So
1: yeah, you know, yeah. the way I've always talked about this in sermons is like, you know, if you live around here, if you grew up in the Northeast, there's all these historical things like George Washington stayed here, or the Continental Cont- and, and there's these spots of where there's a sort of like. Reverence for the fact that these places were, were right. graced by the founders, right. and right. and so I, I said that you know that's sort of like the, the meaning of that unassumed is unhealed. The, is is you know it's like on the worst darkest days of your human story, it's it, you remember that like hey, it's like George Washington said, like the King of the Universe stayed here in this in in your human story, and there's no God-forsaken parts of the story because he's journeyed in them, and yeah. and so they're 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 made sacred even. When they feel utterly profane.
0: Yeah, I also think the the Antiochian school doesn't necessarily help us as much with the problem of suffering and evil as the Alexandrian school. This idea that, um, I mean, my consistent go to, you know, over you know you know thirty plus years of ministry is that what you're going through in one way or the other, God experiences. And yeah,
1: what did Bonhoeffer said? Only the suffering God can help.
0: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, well, I think we kind of. That's there we go. The we see where we, where we land, but nothing against any of you historians out there. Absolutely. No, and, some of
1: our best friends are historians. And yeah,
0: and we still love you, uh, you who are a member of the and Taliban. Absolutely. But come home. Now and forever. But come home to Alexandria. We're waiting. Hey, listeners. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation, and will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless.